So a stained glass people, that's the series we're in, a stained glass people, you know when you go and you see the beautiful architecture of stained glass, oftentimes when you go in, you'll see it's a story from the Bible, a narrative being portrayed, or from church history of those who stood for the Lord and they saw the goodness of him come through their life. But that's what we're called to be. Though sometimes broken pieces, God takes us into his hands and he makes us whole. And our stories can reveal his glory. We can be translucent to the world around us. In other words, the light of God, when we let his presence in, shines through us, lights up our story to be filled not with our own glory, but with his glory. Not that people would recognize our face and name, but they would know his name and they would encounter his face a stained glass people. And so we're getting to jump into the stories of those in the Bible who in their hard moments, like today, in heartache and feeling misunderstood, God's glory shined upon them and within them. And something prophetic, something full of God came out of this lady we'll talk about today, a woman named Hannah. But before we do, I just wanna share Heartbroken and misunderstood. This is on a lighter note, but it was, it was big for me at this time. When we were in college, Anna and I were hanging out. We were friends, but I wanted to be much more than friends. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to get caught in the friend zone. Okay, it's not a good zone to get caught in. I worked with young adults for 10 years. First question I asked is like, hey dude, if you really like her, don't get caught in the friend zone. So I knew I had to take a moment to let her know that I liked her more than a friend. So she was a musical theater major and she did some theater and drama and they were doing a series of plays and she was in it. So this was my moment, this was my opportunity. I got a big bouquet of flowers. I wrote handwritten, by the way, handwritten note that I gave to her, someone's clapping for that. Like I just wish that would happen. Handwritten note and I said something like, you're gonna do a great job tonight um, and I'm just really blessed to know you and I'm looking forward to our relationship, getting to know each other better and also I'm trying to make it kind of obvious, but you know, I still got a way out. So I was doing this to write it out and I just said, you know, Stephen gave it to her. It was delivered, given to her. I knew she received it. I thought I'll go to the play tonight. We'll talk afterwards. It's gonna be amazing. She knows now that I like her more than a friend. So before I went, I went to my buddy Josh. He's one of my best friends. He said, uh, you going? I said, I'm going, man. We're outside of the theater. He's like, follow your heart. Follow your heart, Stevens. So we're like, he's psyching me up. I'm like, yeah, follow my heart. I'm like, thank you, Josh. He's like, follow your heart. Even as I was walking, I could still see him. He was going like this. <laughs> so I'm going in there ready. The play happens, all that, and then I'm waiting around for her, so I have to act like I'm doing something else and not just waiting, so the staff is breaking down the chairs and I'm stacking the chairs like I'm supposed to be doing this, waiting to see her, knew exactly where she was coming from. All of a sudden, she starts coming out and I think, here it is, I'm gonna turn around, she's gonna be like, I love you too. But I turn around and she's carrying all her dresses that she had, her wardrobe for this play. And I see her and I'm like, hey, Anna. And she's like, hey, hits me in the face with her dresses and keeps walking. She's like, hi, boom, keeps going. And I just turn around and I'm saying, oh, maybe I could, before I could get the words out, she's out. I thought, okay, she's a Midwest girl from Oklahoma. This is her nice way of saying, I just wanna be friends. So I'm heartbroken. I go back to the dorm room. Josh is in his room. I kick open the door. I'm never following my heart again, Josh. I look like a fool. I had a chair in my hand and nothing else as she walked away. 
And he said, come on, let's go. So him and my buddy Dave, they took me out and we went on a drive. We listened to love music and then broke the CDs. You know, just what college kids would do. Say, we don't need it. We're bros for life and all that. So then I went back that night, late, late, late in the spot that I would pray on the campus. And I just got on my knees before the Lord and I poured it out, right? I poured it out before the Lord. God, man, this hurts. I feel like I thought there was something there. I thought this was your will. You know, I'm just having this whole lament moment with the Lord. I'm like, all right, listen, I will let it go. I will let it go for like a month. No, I'll let it go, Lord. I'll let it go. I don't, but I really, maybe I'll wait on it and I'm just pouring it out. So I stop. All right, God, whatever your will. Do you know, not a joke, 10 minutes later, Anna texts me and here it comes across. I look. She said, I am so sorry. I had to run to meet my mom. She came to watch me from out of state. Thank you for the flowers and the note. I'm really looking forward to us hanging out more, Anna. I was like, oh Lord, forget the whole thing I said. It's now, God. No, it was his moment after I poured out he blessed me with the greatest treasure ever, Anna Joy Grothy, now Zarlingo. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. In a, in a serious and deeper level, many of us may find ourselves in real, true heartache, misery, grief, pain. And we're feeling and experiencing a loss of a dream Maybe an unmet expectation that creates frustration, broken heart. We feel weak. Now remember, God created us as human beings to feel. You read the New Testament, you can read about the historical Jesus and how he lived and breathed and walked with the people and he felt. And you'll hear that throughout the story and the narrative. We were created to feel not to be mastered and owned by our feelings, but not to hide them and pretend that we have no feelings. And if we find ourselves in the right place and the right posture as we pour these things out, then they can become a holy place. And some of us are right there in the midst of these realities and these feelings. Maybe you feel misunderstood by others or by God I just feel like God doesn't get me, like really get me and understand me. And let me tell you, he does. He knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. Every hair on your head, even if it ain't there anymore, every hair on your head, he's always loved you and known you. But you may feel misunderstood. You might be in turmoil, pain. Questions confusion. God, why? All these things are realities where we can find ourselves internally and externally, the things within us or the things that surround us. You know, there was a mighty prophet, intercessor, military general. He was a judge of the people of God and the people of Israel. If you were a judge, that meant that you helped deliver and lead the people of God out of the oppression of their enemies. And he was a powerful prophet. And his name was Samuel the prophet Samuel. He was also the last judge of Israel because he was the first one to anoint the first king, Saul of Israel, and he would later anoint the famous King David. And in that moment when he was discovering the will of God for David to be the next king, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see God speak to Samuel's heart and to his mind. He's looking at the lineup 
of Jesse's sons. And Eliab, the oldest, is there and looks like he would be the most kingly. But then this is what God says to him. I've rejected him. Samuel, remember, God does not view things the way people do. People look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And Samuel then sees David and sees God's favor on him and anoints him. But I'm sure when Samuel heard that story, he would have remembered his own origins. That God looks at the heart. Because his story started in the barren womb of a woman named Hannah. Her name meant favor and grace, but she found herself physically, emotionally, and spiritually in a place of brokenness, feeling dejected, feeling rejected, not feeling blessed, but feeling as if she was cursed. She was trapped within her own limitations. She could not bear a child. And oh, she knew and wanted to so deeply. And here is the story of Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter one, verse one. There was a man from Raphaim, Zaphim, from the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, and he was the son of Jeroham, and the son of Elu, and the son of Tohu, and the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the first was Hannah, and the name of the second was Penina. Now listen for a second. I want to tell you. He had two wives. Many times when we read the Old Testament and we see that one man is married to multiple wives, in that society, in that culture, and in that time, women needed to be fully dependent on a man in their life, a brother, a father, or a husband. Why? Because how it was so patriarchal and because of the dynamics and the dangers of that time, they would not be able to have their own provision they would not be able to have their own safety and they would often be brought into prostitution or slavery. So many times we see that one man had multiple wives and he would protect them and provide for them. And the woman would feel and know that her calling was to procreate. Now, I don't want us to get caught just in the literal. This is the literal story where she's crying out for a son and God is doing something in and through her. But for many of us, as we read the text, I pray the text will read us because there's something in your life that you desire to find the purposes of God in your life to come out of your life and you just feel like you are caught in limitation or it feels hopeless. And so let's read on what God does. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man, Elkanah, would go up from his city year after year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at Shiloh. It was there that the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, served as the Lord's priest. The day came and Elkanah sacrificed. Now he used to give meat portions to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved Hannah, although the Lord had not enabled her to have children though she couldn't produce what the cultural world said she should to get love, he still loved her. Her rival used to aggravate her to the point of exasperation just to irritate her since the Lord had not enabled her to have children. 
And this is how it would go year after year. As often as she went up to the Lord's house, Penina would offend her in that way. So she, Hannah, cried and refused to eat. Then her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why are you crying? And why won't you eat? Why are you upset? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? So Hannah got up after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. At the time, Eli the priest was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's sanctuary. As for Hannah, she was very distressed. She prayed to the Lord and was in fact weeping. She made a vow saying, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you would truly look on the suffering of your servant and would keep me in mind and not neglect your servant and give your servant a male child, then I will dedicate him to the Lord all the days of his life. His hair will never be cut. In other words, he will be owned to you, devoted to you. It turned out that she did a great deal of praying before the Lord. Meanwhile, Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her mind. Only her lips were moving. Her voice could not be heard. So Eli thought she was a drunkard. Then he said to her, how much longer do you intend to get drunk? Put away your wine. But Hannah replied, not so, my Lord. I am a woman under a great deal of stress. I haven't drunk wine or beer, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Don't consider your servant a wicked woman. It's just that to this point. I have spoken for my deep pain and anguish. Eli replied, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. She said, may I, your servant, find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and got something to eat. Her face no longer looked sad. Later on, we see she'll return home She gets pregnant, she has a son, names him Samuel, and at the time when he's finally weaned, so he was about three or four years old, she brought him to dedicate him to the Lord. This is always where the stories get real. I have a little three-year-old boy. Man, the cost of that, when you think of it that way, when you go from that perspective, to bring and dedicate him to the Lord, to follow through on what she vowed to God. So we see in verse 26, chapter one, They had arrived there at Shiloh. The boy Samuel was with them. They made a sacrifice unto the Lord. And she, Hannah said, my Lord, to Eli, just as you surely are alive, my Lord, I am the woman who previously stood here with you in order to pray to the Lord. For this boy I prayed and the Lord has given me the request that I asked of him. So I also dedicate him to the Lord for all the days of his life. He is dedicated to the Lord. Then he bowed down there and worshiped to the Lord. And then Samuel's journey begins. See, in Hannah's pain, heartache, and hopelessness, she went to God. She went to the right place. She found the altar. She pursued the Lord in his presence. See, many times we hit pain, we hit hardship, we hit difficulty, questions, confusion, and we have to ask ourselves, where do we go to first? Where do we run to? She would have gone at that time to the temple, but it was the tabernacle. It had just been there for so long and would continue to be. They made it a little bit more permanent. They put doorposts there and some walls. There was probably some stairs. And so she ran to that place. She found herself there. She wasn't even in the holy of holies of the tabernacle. She was only where she was allowed to go. She wasn't ceremonially cleansed. 
so she could enter in, but God's presence came out and met her. He heard her prayers, he felt her pain, and he encountered her. There was somewhere safe to go. Where do we run to? Think now. Where do you run to? What is the entertainment you and I run to? What is the thing we run to? The relationship, the job, because we find some worth and purpose there, though our home life, our friendships, our family is falling apart. What do we run to instead of God? This is a good conviction because he's calling us unto him, not pushing us away. Often it's us who turn our back on him and go to something else. I'll try to figure it out and then come back. I'll try to process through it and then come back. But he asked us, will you come to me first? She ran to the right place and she found an altar there. And while she's there at the altar before the Lord, even though it was just the outside and the stairs, some dirt and mud on the ground, it was an altar because it was her and God and he heard her prayer. Can I just shake something off of you? You know you can pray to the Lord outside of the church building? (gasps) What are you saying? Yeah, you can pray to the Lord right before you start your day. You can get on your knees in that bedroom and you can cry out to him. In the kitchen, you can cry out to him. On the train, go to work and cry out to him. Before you go into your classes or you get on the bus, you can get on your knees and you can cry out to him. Wherever you are, he is there and ready to encounter you. But you know, in this place, she was misunderstood and mistook for a drunkard. Sometimes the right and raw posture before God will be misinterpreted by others. Sometimes the right and raw posture before God that he asks of you and that you find yourself there before him will be misinterpreted by others. See, it's all about obedience. And that goes both ways. Because Hannah is there and she is crying out louder than anyone, yet it's all happening inside. But he knows the heart. Others would come to that place and say the right and loud prayers and words. But God's glory couldn't invade because it was more of them and less space for him to get into. But there she is, Hannah. And in that posture and in that place, she's misunderstood. Listen, there might be a moment you find God requires and asks you to do something when you're outside of this place that looks and sounds like him, but in a world that doesn't look and sound like him, it's gonna make you a little uncomfortable. It's gonna feel like you're a little exposed. Oh, but if he's calling you to it, it's okay to be misinterpreted because one day those same stairs and entryway into the temple, she would come marching up with the son and Eli would see the product of her penitence and her tears. Sometimes the right and raw posture will be misinterpreted, but God will receive the honor. The Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. Will you pour your heart out before him? Will you pour your heart out before the Lord? Will I pour my heart out before God? See, I think oftentimes we stuff things in And on top of our pain and our anguish and our confusion and our grief and our heartache, we just try to take in more and more 
to bring some sort of resolve to it. So we just get another drink, just one more drink. I don't drink a lot. It's just at night when I come home and, and I, I had a busy day at work. I'm a little stressed and anxious and you don't even remember the rest of the night because you keep stuffing it down there to try and find just a little bit of resolve from the pain and the anguish. The thing you keep going to for entertainment, you keep taking more and more in to try and answer or relieve that place of pain and suffering whether it's addiction, whether it's a toxic relationship, whether it's greed and money, whether it's a title and position, whatever it is that we take in and keep stuffing. And then we wonder why we don't see the fullness of God, his overflow, his healing, his freedom, his deliverance in our life because there's no room. We're all stuffed up. Stop, for you and me, stop stuffing things in and on top of our pain and begin pouring the deep things out and you'll create the space for God's glory to invade and fill you up. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. Man, if you get alone with God in that secret place, in that alone place, and you lay out before him and you get on your knees before him and you just pour it out. God, I'm so confused. God, I'm so broken. God, there's no provision. I'm at such deep loss. I'm in such deep pain. The grief is overtaking me. The loss is overtaking me. I I, I can't even go through my day, Lord. And when you pour it out, see, if we think that we have to be all perfect and ceremonially cleansed before we go into prayer, we're missing the whole story we're reading even today. She was a broken woman in her grief and in her pain. She went to the right place and she poured it out. Stop filling yourself up with wine. She goes, no, no, you misunderstand. I'm pouring my soul and my heart out. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you actually got before the Lord and you knelt before him or you laid out before him or you cried out to him when no one else was around and you just wept? Sometimes you'll cry. Sometimes you'll laugh. Sometimes you'll sit silently. If you spend time with somebody who you really respect, any mentors or people I see their spiritual life and who they are, I see the blessing of their life and their family, the the, the fruitfulness of their profession and vocation, and they love Jesus. If you talk to them privately, they've had storms. They might be in the midst of difficult circumstances. You know one thing they've learned to keep the holy life full of fruitfulness? You know what that is? To go pour it out all before the Lord. To just pour it out. To weep before him. To be broken before him and let him mend the brokenhearted. If you're too religious or too good for that, you're in the wrong place. And here's why you're in the wrong place. Because nothing we do is good enough, but Jesus found worth in us. And when he calls us good and forgiven, we are good and forgiven by his grace and not our own. And so church, find the secret place. Get alone with him. Get on your knees before him and pour yourself out. And you know what I love in verse 18? It says this. Her face no longer looked sad. 
Do you know that your vulnerability before the Lord changes your countenance? Did you know that? Your vulnerability before the Lord God Almighty, real vulnerability, changes your countenance. Makes you look different. Makes me look different. Does that mean we're not in the midst of difficulty or grief? She still was. She didn't have the baby yet. Hannah wasn't holding Samuel at that time. She got misunderstood that she was a drunkard and maybe she thought Eli was just kicking me away from the tabernacle because I was making it look messy. Whatever it is, she's there, but she trusts the Lord, she hears the word, she goes there and because she was vulnerable, because she poured it out, because she got with the Lord and let it all out, all of a sudden her countenance began to change. See, for us, if we're vulnerable before the Lord because he is Lord God Almighty and we realize we are just a human with so much eternal worth in us because he has found that in us and created us, but yet still just a finite being and he's an infinite being who loves us, but we're human. If we're vulnerable, we'll see our weakness turn to strength. We'll see our doubts turn to belief, our brokenness be mended. We'll see despair turn into joy and we'll see things that feel like we're not able to, that he is able to. We'll see nothing become something like in a barren womb where no life could come forth. All of a sudden out of that place, things began to change. The things begin to change when we get vulnerable before God. The worship team can come back up at this time. I want you to hear this. Hannah's willingness to humble herself before the Lord is what laid the soil in her being to nurture the seed of something, someone prophetic. It laid the soil in her heart and soul to nurture what God wanted to plant inside of her. See, in the world of God and his kingdom, there's something he does amazing with barren places. They become the womb of the prophetic. And what does the prophetic mean? The prophetic means this, that when we go somewhere, we actually represent God to the world around us. The words he gives us and the truths that get placed inside of us become the words of God to those around us. That suddenly, in God's world and his kingdom, it's the barren places where the prophetic is bloomed. I think of Ezekiel 37. The prophet Ezekiel is in the valley of dry bones, a barren place, and all these bones. And all of a sudden, God speaks a word of revelation to him. And in this vision, he sees the bones rise up and they become a mighty army. What is God saying? He's saying, do you understand what I can do when you pour yourself out and when you feel like you're in a desert and a wasteland, when you feel like it's a barren place and you're surrounded by grief and uncertainty and heartache and pain and you feel misunderstood by everyone, when you're in that low place, if you find me, and you pour it out, I will fill you up. I will put the seeds of a prophetic life and of his truth and of his power into you. See, people of God, we're meant to be filled with the spirit, not empty with ourselves. Filled with the spirit and not empty with ourselves. If you don't know Jesus and you're here, you know what emptiness is. You feel it and that's why you're here. 
because you thought maybe this is one more thing to help me. We're not talking about stuffing more things in, stuff some religion and some good names and scriptures in. We're talking about getting on our knees and pouring yourself out before the Lord God Almighty. And I promise you, not me, not our leaders, he will encounter you for he's still alive and he's still good and he's still faithful and he works his most beautiful work in the barren places of our lives. The most beautiful work. See, when God delivers, you and I need to follow through. Don't forget this vital part of the whole story. She gets a son, Samuel. Delivered, literally. And she followed through and gave him into the work of the Lord. Here's what I'm saying to you and me. Keep your vows to God. Don't forget, follow through. So I felt when I was praying this whole week for us as a church and as a family, that some of you decades ago, you made a promise to God. You made a vow to him and we've forgotten. I was convicted by this. Lord, if you, God, if you, if you bless me, I'm gonna honor you with all I do with my finances and with my profession, I'm gonna honor you. And slowly through the years, you've forgotten the vow and the promise you made to God and money has become that idol or the business has become that idol or the status and the title has become that thing now that you crave and you forgot the vow you made when you had nothing and no one saw any worth in you. And you cried out to him and he answered you and you've forgotten people of God follow through with your vow to him. Listen, he is faithful. Even when you're unfaithful, he remains faithful. But when we can turn our faithfulness back to him, it blesses him. It lavishes love. It pours oil out upon him and who he is. It's his children who turn and say, thank you, Lord. Here you go. Some of you may have forgotten that you made a promise. God, my family, I promise you, my family will honor you. My children will grow up in a home with the goodness of you, Christ-centered, built on the rock and the foundation, and yet the busyness of life has made you forget. And your kids are forgetting because mom and dad, you're forgetting the first priority. You're forgetting in front of them to get on your knees and pour it out. some of the most beautiful moments in my life was when I would walk into a room and my parents were in prayer or when I walk into a conversation and I hear him say, all right, we just, we've got to give it to the Lord. You know, that changes your household and generations. Oh, they might not get it. They might be in their own thing, but I'm telling you, a seed gets dropped in them. Don't forget the vows you made to the Lord. Follow through, not out of fear, but out of love. Not out of, you're gonna be jinxed. We don't believe in that. Out of worship. I wanna give this back to you, Lord. It's not a game that if I give this to you, you give me more. No, I wanna worship you. It's too late, Pastor Stephen, it's too late. My family's seen me fail, they've seen me mess up. Well, let them see you. Get on your knees and cry out for forgiveness to the Lord. Oh, that's too much. Get humble before him, because what do we say? When you humble yourself before the Lord, the seeds of the prophetic get planted into you for generations more. And all of a sudden, do you know what happens to Hannah's life? Because she was surrendered and yielded, 
She has three more sons and two more daughters. There is multiplication in our life when we yield and surrender to the Lord. Can we stand up? I wanna tell you that one of the most beautiful passages in the entire book of first and even the second book of Samuel is found in chapter two when Hannah, after she gives Samuel, she follows through, she turns and she exalts the Lord. She prays out. She gives a prophetic song and declaration and prayer. I'm not gonna read it to you. You're gonna read it tonight or tomorrow. First Samuel chapter two, and when you read it, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Lord make these words come alive. Let them not just be words you hear, but threads sewn into your life and the fabric so you have all that you need when you go out there. But at the end of her prayer, she declares there will be a king, which there had never been before, but her son would anoint the king. And she also says, there will be one to exalt the power of his anointed one. You know who she's talking about? She's talking about Jesus. She's talking about Jesus. Oh, people of God, I don't know what you're in the midst of. Heartache, pain, questions, confusion, fear, anxiety, grief. Pour it out. Be at his feet and pour it out. We don't pretend to be macho Christians here. We love Jesus because he first loved us. And so when we have to, we get humble before him and fall at his feet. Pour it out and you watch what he's about to begin.